Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 265, the final episode of 2021. What a crazy year it has been. <sighs> wow. Welcome to We Podcast. We know things where we recap all of the week's nerdy news. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me is almost always the best damn voice in the business, Sam Matura. And for the last one, you know we got to go out with a bang. I thought your opening was going to be quads, bitch. My my opening was the final episode of 2021. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a fun one. But I am looking forward to play poker tomorrow. We, we are recording early because, A, we have a poker game tomorrow. B, we just are. Uh, and so... Boys are back in town, That's baby. right. We got the gang together. First time since my 21st birthday. First time, long time. So I'm very excited. I'm 33 now, so it's been a long time since I've played an organized game of poker. Uh, not at a casino. So we're ready to have some fun and do that. Next week as well, we are going to have our Wee Pod Awards the sixth annual or fifth annual, I can't even remember anymore. Uh, we are going to list our top three favorite movies, TV shows, games, and albums of the year. We are also going to list our top three worst of the year. That is a mixed list where we just list three of our least favorite things. They could be anything. And I'm, I'm still sad I can't pick a movie that was made in like 2017 because it was <laughs> I, oh, I wish I could put Stuber back on the list this year, but I can't. So uh, <laughs> we're going to be joined by our friend Mike Cassini for the episode. Mike has been one of, if not the biggest reasons the pod can even continue. So we thank him so much and we thought what a great opportunity to finally have him on, but to do his list for top three as well. Now, there is a caveat. Mike does not really listen to a ton of music. So he said, what do I do for albums? I don't have them. And I didn't want him to skip it and just sit out. I want him to be a part of the conversation. I mean, I mean, I mean at this point, I'm right with Mike. I might be like, I don't have any albums. So I might be doing the side one. I don't know what it is yet. So I might be doing so it. So I had suggested, hey, let's throw some love to our friends in the podcast community and just list your top three favorite podcasts. And he, oh, okay. and, and he agreed. Like so if that. Sam, you want to go that route too, that's fine. I have 10 albums. So shit, I could do nine of them and just fucking do the segment for all three of us. Um, I, I'm very excited to have uh, Mike Cassini on the show. M dot Cassini on IG. If you want to follow him, maybe you can get a, a tad bit of a head start on what you think he'll list, but I cannot wait. This is my favorite episode to do every single year. Every year I do a wish list for the the next year. And I usually make it like 30 things, but because I didn't do it last year because of the pandemic. And I'm not going to do it this year because so many things have just been delayed into this year. We already know so much. So I'm just going to kind of let 2022 ride out. I'm excited about that. I'm not going to do a Nintendo predictions like I did last year. I just kind of want the year to come and I'm excited for what's going to happen, but I'm even more excited, Sam, to do our we pot awards. I fucking love that episode. Mm -hmm. It's it's going to be a busy week for me to you know I'm not as prepared as you with the notes. You're a well prepared guy for this. I it's it's, it's crunch time for me. I just look so, so forward to it that it's easy for me to open my phone and type things. It takes four seconds. If only I, Sam I'm, had the prepared. I'm just looking forward to winning a poker, starting things off right in 2020. Right, the games in 2021. So that doesn't make sense. We got we got a big show, and I mean a huge show. Sam said it. We're going to go out this year with a bang. Not a lot of news, but we got picks of the week. I forgot to do a trivia question. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I asked you this question before, and 
I you got it right. It, I'm going to ask it again because that's all. No, I, I don't have one. So uh, I'm going to award. Right. I'm going to. So I, I'm literally using a question. I know you got right before, and you don't. Have so one. I'm I'm going to award you the point today because I. No, no, no. I don't accept. I don't have a question. I forgot to do it. Well, then you better make up something on the fly. I, I'll ask the question. I, first. I will. I will make something up on the fly. So when when I talk on the picks of the week, it's your perfect time to think. Well, of I like to actually listen to you. I know you don't like. To, I know you drift in and out when I talk, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a Family Guy reference. It's four for me, two and a half for Sam, in our race to whatever the fuck win by however many. Uh, if you're new, it's race to eleven, win by two. But this is the big time, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to do our spoiler cast for Spider Man. No way home. Sam and I have both seen it. I usually do pages and pages of notes for our spoiler cast. I have none. Zero. I'm going off memory on this one. I have thoughts. I'm excited to share them. Sam, are you ready to talk spoilers finally for No Way Home? I mean, I, I definitely wrote a few of my uh, favorite scenes or uh, you know little moments, tidbits, Easter eggs, anything like that. So I'm looking forward to see what you caught or maybe what, what you didn't like. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we haven't really talked anything. We, we only said, I know... This person showed up. That's all. Uh, Sam mentioned last week that something happened seven minutes in. That is the only thing I texted him about the movie. That's the only thing he knows is that I know about that. And of course, because I've now seen it. So I'm ready to talk. We'll do that right after trivia. Then we have so much more to talk about tonight in terms of impressions. We're going to be then doing a trailer breakdown of the surprise Batman trailer for the Batman. Matt Reeves, the Batman that dropped out of nowhere. Trailer number three. Uh, We actually have some news about when that will hit HBO Max. And also, Uncharted dropped another trailer, looked a little better than the first one, and so we're going to talk about that as well. In TV, we have our impressions. This is the day the shit came out, ladies and gentlemen. This is how dedicated we are to our craft. The Book of Boba Fett came out today. It came out... And it was, and well, I, you know, it was only 25 minutes long, so it wasn't a long day. It was 30. It was over 30. Well, I, it was 38 I, minutes I was- and like four minutes of credits. We had a decent chunk. I thought it was 29 minutes, but I remember seeing 29 minutes. And it's 8.15 p.m. Eastern time right now. The shit came out at 3 a.m. today. So we're talking, what, like 12, 14. We're talking 16 hours off the presses on this one. So we're ready to talk about spoiler-free. Spoiler-free. We won't spoil you tonight. Spoiler-free impressions of Book of Boba Fett Episode 1. We also have some news on Squid Game and a potential uh, third season. Yes, you heard that right, third. Uh, and then Sam will take over for just one quick story where really I'm going to be doing the talking. So, you know, he'll host that segment. It's it's an easy host day for me. We'll he'll about. he'll say a sentence and then I'll ramble. <laughs> not even, not even. Uh, I'm going to give you all a little snippet, a preview of next week where I'm going to talk about some games that I loved this year but didn't make my game of the year top three list. Uh, and then we'll talk about some Legos in the other section before Sam ends us off with his final weekly wada of 2021 but let's not dilly dally any longer let's start where we customarily do with our picks of the week toss a coin to your witcher because i'm going with the witcher season two. Ten, ten times better than season one i felt like i actually understood what they were showing me the first season was so much time jumping they didn't really explain it i didn't play the games i didn't read the books so I, first season was a little struggle for me. The second, I felt like it actually flowed. And it seems like critics and obviously audience agree. The first season, it got, was at 68%. Second season's at 94%. Um, I, I just felt like, like, I, Henry, like, you know, was it Geralt or Geralt, however you say his freaking Geralt. name? 
I feel like I feel like people pronounce his name however they want. But he he was in it like just enough. This season was basically about Sintra. Sentry? Sentra? I don't fucking know. Oh, I thought you played the game. So you might know like who's Siri. And I just thought she was like she her story actually like the first season, I didn't know who the hell she was. I didn't know what was really going on with her character. Now it's like the whole backstory's there, the family history. Uh, the, the special effects were awesome. The fighting scenes were great. I feel like Netflix definitely uh, like upped a notch on their CGI because they're really going going forward on, I would say, season two for The Witcher. Um, before it even came out, it was already signed for season three. I actually didn't know The Witcher kind of had a multiverse, and that was introduced in season two. I had no idea. So like the last season, I was kind of mind-blown on that. A little spoiler. But this one was based on the book of... Uh, Blood of Elves. Obviously, I never read the books, but if you read them, you know. I again, I, I'm sucked in. I never played the games, but the story, um, it, it, it just works for me. Each episode is basically about an hour, so you know, eight episodes each season. It's on Netflix. I, I would say give it a chance. I am going to watch the the did an animated movie. I think it got greenlit for a sequel, so I still want to watch them because I'm interested in the world, and I think the the animated movie is about Vesemir. And, you know, in, in, in um, The Witcher, he's like, he's an older guy, but I'm interested to see how he became, like, I guess, the head of, you know, like, the head of all The Witchers. So, if, if you got some time, definitely check out The Witcher Season 2. Uh, and so, while he did that, because I I don't care about The Witcher, so I did check out a little bit when you had- I told you, yo, who knew? So, who so, so, I did think of a question off the top of my head. So, that's how good we are at this. When we forget, we are honest with you but then we still make it right by the time it's supposed to happen. So I do now Perfect. have a trivia question for Sam that he should know. I'm pretty sure you do. Uh, my pick of the week is one of the shows that was on my list to watch this year because I knew I would love it. And I did. And I canceled Hulu and it's a Hulu original. So I couldn't watch it anymore. Um, only murders in the building. Uh, I, I, absolutely loved it it was so good to see steve martin back at the top of his game it was so good to see martin short i I haven't seen martin short in something this good since santa claus 3 no uh it's been a long what's up maybe i mean it's been a long time since martin short was this funny selena gomez does a admirable job she's kind of the weak link but in the last final two episodes she really steps up her game um, Aaron Dominguez, Amy Ryan was fantastic. Jackie Hoffman. This is a phenomenal show that isn't ever going to get the love that it deserves because it's on Hulu and Hulu. If you don't want ads, it's like 13 or 14 bucks and it's just not worth it at that point. So you can do the $6 thing, but these episodes are a half hour. You're going to get two minutes of ads every freaking 10 minutes. It's just annoying. Um, it's only 10 episodes. It's coming back for a season two out of 51 ratings on IMDb. It's got an 8.1. There is no episode on the entire season except for one that is even below an 8.0. Uh, it's just phenomenal season. The, the mystery, the murder, the big twist, which I actually called in episode three. I love it. It was phenomenal. I'm happy that like, even though I called it, it was kind of still a great payoff. It had a wonderful final scene twist. And if you're not familiar with it, Selena Gomez, Steve, uh, Steve Martin, and Martin Short all live in the same, um, I guess you can call it an apartment building in New York City. Somebody ends up dead, and then they start a podcast about that, a true, um, a murder mystery, true crime podcast called Only Murders in the Building. 
And I usually hate shit that has to do with podcasts. And for some reason, I really like this one. They kind of spoof off a of serial and like uh, this American life. If you kind of remember serial when it was at its heyday back in season one. Um, so it was really fun. It was super fucking funny. It, they don't pull any punches with the violence. Um, they don't pull any punches with the language. So it's definitely an adult oriented show. It's definitely going to go somewhere in season two based off the big twist at the end. So if you like murder mysteries, if you like comedy, if you like return to form returns to form for former glorious actors, it's on Hulu only murders in the building. I cannot recommend it enough. It is phenomenal. It's about time. Steve Martin's been quiet for a while. He's been playing that ukulele. And he is just great. Um, Okay. Let's get into trivia. It is four for me. Two and a half for you. I'm going to give you your question first because I worked so hard on it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sam. In Pokemon Red and Blue, when you run into Mewtwo in Cerulean Cave, what level is it? 70. Got it. Good. I'm, if I don't, if I didn't know that, I, I I give up. I would have just given up on Pokemon altogether. <laughs> it's now four to three and a half. All right, I'm, I'm dude. I am so I'm like ninety eight percent sure I asked you this question before. So, how many ghosts show up in a Christmas Carol? I don't remember you asking me that question. I mean, are you are you counting like Jacob Marley? Yes. Then four. Correct. It's re- yeah. I don't remember you asking me that question. I I, I feel like at this point I've we did questions but, so long. Every question. But, but here's asked, the thing. Like I've had we start decorating November first. I have four Christmas trees in my house. They're all my decorations are still up. They're going to stay up till January 9th. So like we're a Christmas family. I've been watching Christmas movies every night for two months. Of course, I know that answer. He said I'm all caught uh, up. So, of hey, course, I, I've I, seen I every. It. I've seen the Muppets Christmas Carol, Mickey's Christmas Carol. That's horrible, Jim Carrey one. You can, I've just seen them all this year. I hate the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol, by the way. It is dog shit. I agree. Uh, so anyway, that was our trivia. Five for me, three and a half for him. We both got it off the jump without answers. Been a little bit for that. I like that. No debating. That's how we close out 2021. That's like, you're right. What a, then we'll start 2022 with getting four wrong in a row. Slow as shit. That's how <laughs> it'll we be it. five to three and a half in May. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Maybe next week I'll remember to give you a trivia question. We should let Mike do that. We should let Mike come up with two trivia questions, and ah, I don't, don't want to put the pressure fuck on. Fuck it, dude. Fuck advantage. it. He wants to come on his show. He's got to get in a hot seat. Now nah, I'm just kidding. He, all right. He's all good. All right, all right, Sam. We've been waiting long enough for this. It's 15 minutes into the podcast, and I think this is what our viewers or listeners have been waiting for. Let's talk about Spider-Man: No Way Home. Spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen. There will be in the episode description. Well, hold on. In the episode description. Just check it out. We'll have spoiler time codes. So if you haven't seen it yet or whatever, skip to the part where I tell you in the episode description so you can avoid all the spoilers. We, we are we already know where, where I'm where I stand with this movie. What did you think? Um, I feel like a douche because like there there has to be somebody else on this planet that that didn't think this was as great as everybody else is saying. Like. I cannot be the only person that was under not underwhelmed, but that didn't think it was this the next coming of superhero movies. Like it was really good. I I really did love it, but I don't think it was as good as everybody says. And I think my overarching theme of it is that the individual moments of glory in this film are fantastic. But when you put it together, I don't think the sum 
is equal to the parts. If you took this five minutes and this five minutes and this five minutes, I am in love with it. And we'll talk about that because our top three this week is our top three moments from the film. Could be good, could be bad, could be a mix. And I, so I think a lot of that will come out even during our spoiler discussion. The shit we loved in this movie and didn't love is going to come out. And I think a lot of the stuff that happened in it was phenomenal. The, that cameo in seven minutes in broke the internet for me, broke the MCU, and really it just kind of made it the possibilities endless. So if you take that moment in a vacuum, it was great. If you take... Uh, one of the death scenes, it was great. If you take a reunion, they are great. If you put it all together, I felt like a lot of the rest of the movie didn't work for me, but I think the highs were just super high. I mean, I would like, again, like to, to, to piggyback what you said, I, I would say there's moments, even I would say villains that you probably could have just cut from the movie yes. and I would have been perfectly yes. fine. Yes, why is Lizard in this movie? Yeah, Lizard was you even know, Electro. I was, I was, even I was, Electro. I was thinking Sandman. Yeah, per, him too. It could have been a Doc Ock Green Goblin show, and I'd have been fine with it. It would have been you know, the like same they, movie. They, they were just so close to the Sinister Six. They're they're, they're right there. And it's like I, I was just like, why would you throw him in for a quick little van scene? And boom, he was for gone. the Fab Five. Like you didn't even give us the six. Where was yeah. where was Craven? This would have been the time to introduce us to Craven, so then we can get ready for the solo movie. Even I, more technically. I would say, you know, when we get into spoilers, I'll, we are, I'll we're there. We're there. Again. We did spoiler free last week. Okay. So spoiler warning. So in, in the one scene when, you know, Dr. Strange is doing, yeah, you know, the, he's trying to contain the spell, yeah. you do see the shadow of a man holding a spear. But we got, but a lot of people don't know that or like who that is, you yeah. know, like again, I mean, casual as, soon as, I, as soon as I saw spears are up there screaming, mm-hmm. like it, didn't even think about, it, you know, just automatic. Yeah. Thought. But this was a sinister six movie with five villains and three of those villains were wasted. Now, if I had to rank the, the three kind of wasted villains. I'd put Electro at the top of that list in terms of he could have stayed. Like he had the most dialogue. He was kind of the villain comedic relief a little bit. He kind of lightened the mood. He had the Miles line. Like right. what he right. said the was Miles great. Line, great call there. Forgot about that. Thank you. Yeah. So that's going to introduce Miles eventually into the MCU. We know that. So like you're right. If if I had to, to take out all three of them, fine. If I have to leave one of them, Electro's fine. The other two, though, Lizard and Sandman, were completely pointless. You didn't even see Thomas Hayden Church's face until the very end of him, yeah. you know, going out. Like, what's the point? Lizard, you saw his eyes, and he was like two little scenes of, I can't remember, Alan something. I can't remember his name, but like they were pointless. They were there, so their Spider Man had a reason to be there because they weren't going to bring it, back Green Goblin. It, they weren't going to bring in Rhino, exactly. so they had to bring in Lizard for Andrew Garfield. That, that's it. I mean it would have been it would have been funny to see Paul Giamatti back, I'm not going to lie. That would have been cool, but you know, again, The Lizard that was to me that was still his best movie. Yeah, Electro was there, but you know, I feel like he had to have it for for Andrew's for Andrew's And and to be honest, I think Andrew Garfield this was Andrew Garfield's uh apology almost. This was his like Swan song, his redemption at being Spider-Man, because he was my favorite of the three Spider-Men in this movie. He was the one to me that stuck out the most. He was also arguably my favorite character in the film, maybe besides MJ, because she finally got to break out. And so like, that was great. Um, maybe doc, I, doc Ock's always going to be amazing. Alfred Molina is phenomenal, but like, I really felt like Toby was almost a throwaway. He never came in his costume. Like he did, but like during the fight, but like when he came in, he was wearing street clothes. He very seldomly had like big dialogue scenes. He was very rarely in the fight. The motherfucker gets stabbed and doesn't die. They pulled the Marvel thing. You know, I've been stabbed before and he shakes it off. Like it was nothing. The stakes were not there. So like when you think about it, 
the the little moments phenomenal when they came through the portals phenomenal that fight scene at the end to me was a complete dud i hated the end of the fight scene the the one we're gonna talk about like i didn't have it on my like top three but my one of my least things i feel like they could have come up with a way better way in the ending than that's that the stab line i've been stabbed like you said that was like it was like a build up build up build up and that was so like the moment was great like he's the reason he he, like he stops like it that's great but they they needed to find something better than he gets stabbed in the back and then they like stab gobby in the throat and he's just sitting there. And I'm like, is he dead? Is he going to fall over? Is And then he just gets whisked away back to his universe. And I'm like, what was the point of this fight? Because the fight was just a time saver so, or a time, you know, stretcher to get to the spell. The spell had the stakes the whole time. The movie was not about the villains. The movie was about having people forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And you just filled it with stuff. And that was really frustrating to me to watch these guys fight for literally no reason. And then to see Tobey Maguire, everybody's favorite, get stabbed. And he literally just says, I have been stabbed before. I'm like, you're not even going to bleed out of your mouth a little bit. You're not going to make me think you're dead. You're not going to pull a fake out. At least then I could be sad for a minute. I was, it is Sony and Marvel. I don't even know if they could have shown blood there. Yeah, they. Stabbed, I feel like I, they, they were already. I think they were already at their blood like limit. They stabbed fucking Willem Dafoe in the neck, and there was not an ounce. So yeah, you're you're well. Right. Well, between that and and you know the Aunt May scene, and you know finally getting the the famous line, the great power comes great responsibility. Since Uncle Ben just doesn't fucking exist in here, so you know it, I guess it was good to see Aunt May deliver it. It just it just sucks that like you know there's no Uncle my ben. personal opinion as to why Uncle Ben doesn't exist. This could be fake. This could be real. This is completely my. I mean, they didn't want to rehash it three times in disagree. Four, seven disagree. years. Disagree. Disagree. Hard disagree. One, I I do believe you on that, and especially in this in our culture, yes, you want Aunt May to shine, but this is a younger Aunt May. Uncle Ben was very old, and so if you bring in a young Uncle Ben, it's like he's just a guy. Who are you going to cast in that? Marissa Tomei's husband. Like, you're going to cast what? fucking tony dalton he's not old you're not gonna believe that this elderly dude is watching you like aunt may on her own it makes peter seem a little bit more alone in the world if he has a younger uncle ben it's like oh cool that's just his fucking father figure and a lot of this doesn't matter as much so to me they didn't bring uncle ben because you brought a younger marissa tomei younger aunt may in so like what are you gonna do with uncle ben uncle ben's old as shit in these other two movies he's fucking charlie sheen and the other old dude I mean, like, like we said previous podcast, you know, Tony Stark was the Uncle Ben, which which is probably why maybe this like um, Holland Spider-Man wasn't like this. At least the first two were my favorites because it's not the Spider-Man that I remember. So now it's like when the movie ends, like now it's like that's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Just now it's like, OK, now we can like it just took three movies to get us to reboot the franchise again. To, exactly. It took three to us to get to. They can reboot the franchise for the third time to be able to reboot it for the fourth time. And like at the end of the day, that's a lot of Spider-Man and we're going to get even more because of the end credit scene and because of Morbius and because of Craven and all this other stuff. It's like, I like the ending too. I like that they found a way to soft reboot as opposed to just saying, all right, we're going to reboot and just everything's retconned. I really do enjoy the ending to that movie where he just creates his own suit, goes out and does his thing again. And that's like the way to introduce good old fashioned friendly neighborhood Spider-Man to the movie. I do appreciate that to me. It didn't take three movies. And now after you didn't need three movies. And like, now that this is over, I can definitively say the Raimi trilogy is my favorite. 
Yeah, I, I would like this. This is my number two. Spider-Man Two still is my number one. Again, it. I think I I said it took three Spider-Man to like even equal Spider-Man Two. Like you had to bring all and the original Spider-Man every, Two villain. <laughs> yeah, like you had to bring every like you know William Defoe, you dock out all the favorites from the you know you, you you tugged at all our nostalgia strings. So I was like, of course we're not like going to have our moments here. Um, I'm going to save. The one line for my my top three that I love, but one I'm going to say when you you know were speaking, like you said, Andrew Garfield, he shined. He did 100%. He shined. He had his redemption, um, especially with with MJ there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the tagline with um, Gwen. Uh-huh. But I loved the line when he said, you know, he, he was super emotional here, and I, I even shed a tear or two when he was like, I stop I stopped pulling punches. I just being so angry, and like just just him that he just started wailing on people, and he stopped holding like holding back, and I was like, holy, you just feel the pain. That, that he was in, I was like, wow. And, and like you said, Andrew, to me, well, he shined here. Like, don't get it. Holland has his moments. This is Holland's best Spider-Man film he was ever in. Agreed. But Andrew, Andrew really shined. And I think it's a nice contrast to the Holland Spider-Man who literally said, I want to kill him. I want to kill oh, and- the Green Goblin. It was nice to see Andrew and even Toby because obviously Toby was the one who got in the way. But like, it was nice to see the other two Spider-Men I- like, over that. Yeah, oh, I, definitely. I, I just really wish they had a better like someone couldn't have came up with a better ending than the stab through the throat. for real. They they had, they had like it, it was so great to see him holding back to see him stop like that was awesome. And then it just fell a little short. If you never if you short. never stabbed him and you just if Toby literally just talked him out of it, it would have been better than the stab. Honestly, I, I would I would probably agree with that. Just uh, then the one oh, I've been stabbed before. So, ah, like, it, it, that one like again, Marvel a lot of shit falls flat for me. That one missed for yeah. me. But this one, it did have a lot of charm. That was me. an attempt at humor when humor wasn't yeah. called for. Like that was a very exactly. heartfelt scene that you could have just let play out. I love it when announcers during big games in sports don't talk. They just let the moment happen, and I really yeah. feel like that could have been done here. Yep. To better effect. Yep. And I don't want anybody to think that we're shitting on them. We're giving honest critiques of the movie. It's a movie I liked a lot. I won't say I fell in love with it, um, but I really did like it. I don't want it to come off like I hated it. I will spoil it. This is not on my top three end of the year. And it's, it is up there. It's up there, but it is not in my top three. My top three is cemented. Uh, so I am not saying I did not like it because again, these there's, there were individual moments. You pointed out one earlier. We even haven't we haven't even talked about one of them seven minutes in yet, but the one that you talked earlier that I want to uh, hit on now, I really really felt something in the Aunt May death scene. I, you know me and Marvel movies, they don't they don't have the you know what's to kill somebody. So when they do, I do appreciate that they had because now he has nobody and like. I do appreciate that they pulled that Literally nobody. maybe happy, but oh, I guess, yeah, you're right. Nobody remembers him. Good call. And so I, and that's probably why they killed her because th- that would have, now, now, he, he, now he's really he paying no back to rent and, you know, yeah. living on. Yeah. Own. And so I really did love that scene. I, I felt it was a little weird. Um, like Gobby just comes in all of a sudden he'll turn. And then two minutes later, he does something so heinous that, that Holland hates him. There wasn't that buildup of hatred. Like I felt like with the Raimi trilogy, because it was over two movies kind of, uh, well, at least with a son, like where was Harry? Oh, I, I don't know. There, there could have been a lot of things in this that would have made the Willem Dafoe versus Tom Holland thing work for me more, except for just killing Aunt May. Um, yeah. but you're right. The delivery of the, the big, uh, you know, responsibility line was great. I thought that death scene was well done overall. 
on the whole. And I thought that was one of the moments that really stuck out to me in the movie. I, I will say I did love William Defoe's performance. I, I, I always liked William Defoe. I, I love that he came back. I, thank God he was able to do the scenes he was in. Um, and we mentioned like, you know, jokes that work. I, I love when they were kind of talking about, you know, like, you know, some of the villains they, that they, you know, that they faced and he goes, you know, I'm an Avenger. And then they go, Avengers, is that a band? Like that was one that yeah. landed for me that the whole theater kind of cracked up for. And I mean, I, I guess we should draw, you did mention it, the first seven minutes, you know, a huge cameo to, that was one, the theater, like freaked, like, it's I don't insane. know, I, 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 I love being in that, you know, you're in that atmosphere, the, the theater, like sometimes you just, you know, the laughter, everything's like, you like, I, I always tell people, I, I thrive on enthusiasm, like a wedding crash or quote or whatever, but it's, it's the truth. People freaked. And when you saw me, it, it was just like, oh, like you didn't waste the three years you got invested in, in Daredevil. If you watched Hawkeye, another character shows up from the MCU. So it's like, everything's like just, you know, he was only in a little bit, but it just known that it, he's in the same realm now as the MCU. It's like, okay, this is awesome. Thank God he's, thank God we have Charlie, Charlie Cox. And the fact that it was Charlie Cox too, it wasn't just Daredevil, it wasn't just Matt Murdock, it was the Charlie Cox we all want to see. And that was a great payoff. To know that the Netflix universe is in the MCU in some form or fashion between Hawkeye and this is just a great thing because now you can go back and rewatch Jessica Jones or you can go back and if you want, watch Iron Fist or uh, Luke Cage, which is probably the best out of this, or even the Defenders. And it's like, okay, finally, I can at least say that there's a possibility at some point these characters are going to show up in the MCU. I don't know. Luke Cage probably has the best chance, but like, I don't know. And that's what will keep me coming back for moments like this. You said it, a two minute cameo. It's cool that Spider-Man is getting legal counsel from Charlie Cox's uh, uh, Matt Murdock. I'm a very good lawyer. Yeah, right, exactly. You need also a, catch a brick scene. I did you, love that. Little. You need a good lawyer. And then to a minute later, I'm a very good lawyer. Catches the brick. And, and that was just a nice moment that early in the film that really kind of lets you like sit back in your seat and say, what else can they do? It's like a great yeah. PlayStation pl- uh, Presents or whatever they call it, a state of play or a Nintendo Direct that starts off with a banger. And you just say to yourself, like a Smash character reveal, what the fuck yeah. else can they do? I yeah. just loved that. And so it got me off on the good foot. You know, the Happy Hogan thing sticking off right where they left, literally right where they left off to the point where the extras at the end of uh, uh, what was the last one? Not Homecoming. Far From Home were the same. We're wearing the same thing in this. Like it was just very well done from a continuity perspective. So I liked that a lot. Um, it's just really cool to know that daredevil's not dead and if you haven't watched it because sam i went back and i did now uh you gotta oh uh, before i even lose my train of thought the least one of my least thing that it irked me to look at was seeing uh jacob italian or ned leeds his wig freaking wig because <laughs> we yeah. know he's bald in real life now Dude, but it, 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 you know it just stands yeah. out and it, you're like, ah, it, 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 that was the one little little thing that kind of bothered His me. His hairpiece was like Kate Mara from Fantastic Four levels of distracting. Yeah. yeah, it was rough. Anybody who doesn't know, he lost a shit ton of weight and he shaved his head. or A hundred and two yeah, pounds. Or he went bald. I think he probably shaved it. But yeah, so he is wearing a wig in this one. And it is absolutely obvious to anyone with two yeah. eyes, except for Matt Murdock. Uh, so yeah, uh, overall, though, but, but, liked it a lot. 
I, I just we have to get, obviously spread some more love on Alfred Molina. It was freaking so good to see him back. Even him interacting with William Defoe's character again because they know each other in their world. It was like awesome to see them two there. Obviously, Toby and Doc like that's always fantastic. But I I just thought it again the movie wasn't perfect. It definitely had like, some missteps. Um, we always said some missed lines and you know so maybe some moments that. Could have been better. Scenes could have been cut just to say, again, because you were in there for, what, two hours and 25 minutes, long movie. I, again, it what it just broke Sony's all-time record of Spider-Man previous. Now it's at 1.16 billion worldwide. So, I mean, kudos to them. The biggest since pre-pandemic. So, you yeah. got to love that. And there, there was one scene with all the villains. Like, the villains really, like, a lot of the stuff with the villains irked me because a lot of it was filler. And... Yeah. It was there for the amazing shock value and to really establish the multiverse of, oh my God, they're bringing, it's like Smash Bros. Everyone is here. And it's like, that's neat, but you have to do something with them. And that's where I yeah. think they missed. There was a scene once Doc Ock turned face, which was awesome, by the way, and he turned face and then something happens. I can't remember if it was the, it might've been the Aunt May death scene. It was the first fight before the one on the Statue of Liberty where Doc Ock gets punched or hit or something out of a window and he flies into a building um, and he either crawls up it or whatever. And then all these guys are fighting and then he's just like conveniently nowhere to be seen at all. It's like, what was he doing? He was doing something. Could have got knocked. No, down. no. You see him crawling up the wall, I believe. So, cause I, w- I remember thinking to myself, like, where is Doc Ock and all this? Like he should be here. It's a thing he should be doing. And so again, you're right. There were, there it was not perfect. There were things about this movie that, you know, just Marvel tropes or things that were forced. I definitely felt a lot of forced stuff in this movie, but it did lead us down the path of like, okay, now we know that Wong is the Sorcerer Supreme. Where does that, where does that, you know, make Dr. Strange fall in the order of power? Is he below Wong? Is he above Wong? We know he's not above uh, Scarlet Witch. And so like, there was that, you know, we now know Venom is a part of the MCU. We kind of figured that with the let there be carnage end scene. Uh, end credit scene but now we definitely know it based on the end credit scene or the mid credit scene i should say for this movie so you know what did, what did you think yeah. of that by the way the, the venom mid credit scene i mean yeah so we get one little strand left of venom there so my, my thing is like will that be tom hardy show back up will he be the you know the next spider-man movie is that going to be a, a spin-off of sinister six even though venom's not in sinister six is that just where you kind of include him in that movie well i think I mean, of course i think the next I, spider-man trilogy i think venom's going to be in the first movie 100 percent. i i i just want to see I, I, sorry i'm, I, I'm I wonder, drinking water and for some reason i'm chewing an ice and chewing ice and i i just want to see a i don't know i i, I really didn't love venom let there be connor i hate I just, it i didn't like it at all yeah it was a little bit of a letdown. That that might even show up on my least favorite, obviously, the movies. I was, was a little bit disappointed in that one. But I, I, I want to see a, a really good portrayal of Venom that's more true to the comic books rather than just kind of the movie-verse Venom. The buddy cop, ven- you know the buddy I mean? cop Venom? Yeah. I, I, the PG-13 I, I want, Venom? Yeah. So I'm hoping that maybe this Venom here will be the Venom that we actually all know. Well, bullshit. I, they, they, like they're not going to bring in the venom into the MCU, the kid friendly MCU, and make him an R rated dark venom. They're going to keep the same. Ven- they made you know you remember when Venom was supposed to come out the first one, and they changed it from R to PG thirteen, and we railed on it on this podcast. We were yeah. very. I now think they did it because 
the seed, the seeds were sown back then that he was eventually going to be in the MCU. So they had to figure out a way to tone him down because we have R rated superhero movies. We have Joker. We have other, th- like we have killing. We have a lot of things that are in that superhero genre that are rated R. We have Deadpool. So like, which is a Marvel property. So it's like, they can do it. So they, I personally think they toned it down to PG 13. Cause they said, all right, he's eventually going to be the MCU. We have to find a way to get this venom not kid friendly, but like not the dark. Not what? What do they call him? The uh, the protector. Uh, oh, the lethal protector, something like that. Yeah, and so like, yeah, yeah, yeah the lethal. And so like, they can't they can't have him be the lethal protector because that's that's some dark shit. So that's that's the reason I think now, back in in hindsight, I could be wrong that you know this venom is the way he is because they knew he was going to eventually be in the MCU, and that that was a, done a while back. Yeah, could be totally wrong on that, but you know. I, it's fine. I by the way, the bartender uh, is Danny Rojas from Ted Lasso. Football is life. If you've heard that over the past two years, fantastic character from Ted Lasso. So that was a cool. That was probably the coolest part of the end credits. I was like, oh, bar- bartender for life. It was neat. Now, would you agree with me saying this is Tom Holland's best portrayal of Spider-Man? Yeah, I liked Homecoming probably more than most. I thought No Way or Far From Home was just fine. Um, it was the weakest out of the three. Two was easily the weakest. Yeah, I would, I would imagine. I would agree. And so, yes, I think that. But I also think he was better in Infinity War. He wasn't in it all the time. But when he's getting dusted, what's a, name a better scene? Like, Well, I mean, in Infinity War, he was in it probably for all of seven minutes. But at the same time, you said portrayal. I think the yeah. best acting job he has done in the MCU is his dusting scene. If, if you want to talk the, about the best Tom Holland movie, yeah, then it's this one. I, I don't know. I did love when all three Spider were leaving, and he he was leaving, and then turned around, and then gave them a, a hug. Then he left. I did love that. I scene. got fucking spoiled on that. Boy, howdy, did I! Yeah. I sent you the picture. Yeah, and it, it, it like that was such a great scene in the moment. Should I might even? I think I shed a tear. I think three or four different times in this. Not movie. one for me, and I think that's because I saw it after everybody else did. So like, I kind of knew people were. So I kind of expected shit. If I maybe would have yeah. saw it on opening night, where the expectations were completely I, I might have yeah. been more emotional at the the maybe the Aunt May death scene or when they're embracing blah 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 or yeah. even just the ending I, I, that that scene let's I, that's where I want to go next so you can say whatever you want to say either about Doc Ock Green Goblin wh- wherever you want to go my next thing that I want to talk about is that ending scene um, not when he's in his apartment leaving but that MJ in the diner or whatever ice cream shop whatever scene where Ned comes in that's what I want to talk about next so anything on your mind that you want to say before we kind of talk no, about dive right in, dive right that in. was my favorite scene in the film. I'm not talking about cameos. Like the Matt Murdoch thing was fucking baller, but that, that ending scene where he chose just like the other two did the other two did. They, they also chose to not go with MJ for, for, for uh, Toby. And Andrew said, he's not going to do whatever. I can't remember the, the ending of amazing Spider-Man too. Um, but him making that choice, Tom Holland, making the choice of, Everybody forgetting who he is, including the woman he loves and his best friend and even happy and all the Avengers like that to me was such a good choice, a great way to begin that soft reboot of the franchise. Like you said, he almost has to earn it all back now. And also. I could never make that decision. I would I'm selfish. I would never be able to do that. And then to go into that shop to see her, to have the opportunity to reequate yourself and try to make her remember 
whether it was through the brand, uh, the, the, the Ivy league school thing. I can't, I, f- can't, I forget what school or and, MIT and like, or whether it was some callback with maybe Ned's little star Wars figure, the Palpatine figure or something. And he chose to let them do it because his speech to that director of, of admissions worked. They're going to live out their dreams at MIT and he just wants to see them happy. That really was satisfying to me. At least I loved it. Yeah. I, I when when she was fidgeting, she moves, you see, he sees the bandaid on her forehead and that's kind of when he says, you know, he puts that note back, whatever he was going to say, kind of. But also, she she still has his. She was wearing the necklace that he got, yeah. her, but she's going to have no idea how she got it, which I'm sure will play back into the next Spider-Man movie somehow to get her memory back. But again, it, it definitely was a nice nod, and literally him walking away and not knowing anyone but himself, and we're back to the f- literally friendly neighborhood Spider-Man with no. Avengers MCU attaches kind of him starting out. Would am I crazy to think that not 100% of me thinks that she and Ned will be a part of the next movies? Cause they may be away at MIT. Am I crazy? Am point. I crazy to think that this could be the final time we see them and they actually won't bring her back? Cause I agree. If they do that necklace is the way to do it. Um, but maybe not. But she, but she, she has to shoot Dune Part Two first, so she, she may be busy for a little while. Even, so yeah, even outside of scheduling be... conflicts, like what if, if everything was perfect and everybody's schedules were great, and you just wanted to tell the story, would you leave her out at least of the next one, just because? Let her go live her dream. Because if, if he looks at the band aid and says in his head, "I really don't want to hurt this pe- these people anymore. Keep, you know, put them in danger. They're better off without me." Why would you just bring them back? It kind of defeats the stakes and the ending of No Way Home which is what I'm telling you now. I loved that there was actual stakes there. If that's off or not in the next movie and they're just like, oh, memory's back. I'm going to fucking hate it. I'm going to like retcon my love for this ending and make this whole movie fucking pointless. You don't cast a forgetting spell to remember it in the very next movie. That would really disappoint me, to be honest. No, and, and you're right. I, I wouldn't mind a little break. Focus on know, the, the story around Craven. Yeah, exactly. Go more towards villains. We already know who these two characters. We had three movies with them. I, I, I'm ready for something new. Give us a maybe. I'm I'm ready for Craven. I'm, I'm ready. For- I'm ready for a fucking movie without a love interest. What I loved about Shang Chi wasn't really a love interest. What I loved about the only thing I liked about Black Widow was there wasn't a love interest. Hawkeye. They are friends. They are not in love with each other. There is no boy that Haley Steinfeld is after. There is no girl that Clint is after because he has a loving wife at home. It was just a fun romp. And that's why I loved it so much. There wasn't this, will they, won't they, this, you know, whatever. I just didn't, there was nothing else weighing it down. They could just tell their story. And that's what I'm looking for for the future of Spider-Man. Tell me the story. Introduce me more to Craven, even after a Craven movie. Introduce me to more. Show me a villain that we've never seen live action before. That's what that would be phenomenal. That would be great. So yes, I liked it. I won't say I loved it. I I will say I really liked it. And the highs were the highest they've been for me in a very long time. I would say the Murdoch, like we'll, we'll talk about our top three, but the highs in this movie were the highest I felt since infinity war which was 20 what 18 so it's been three yeah. years since the, a marvel movie has gotten me this happy but at the same time i felt like a lot of it was filler a lot of it was for show 
the villains were almost kind of pointless because to me, this movie was all about Dr. Strange doing the spell. And that was the goal. I understand that, you know, again, Dr. Strange fucking up again. We know Dr. Fate would never mess this <laughs> shit up. Uh, that's, I guess that's the one part before we get end and go to our top three. That's the one part we haven't even mentioned yet that we probably should. Dr. Strange's involvement in the movie, the spell going wrong, and also the teaser and kind of where we're at with, within the multiverse of madness. What did you think of Dr. Strange's involvement in this movie? I mean, I, I thought it was okay. I, I my, my probably my favorite scene with him was when he astral projected uh, Peter Parker out of his body Absolutely. and he went to go hit, take it back. And just, I, I would just call it his spidey sense. Yeah. His spidey sense would just not let him get it. And even, I just love seeing like, doctor, how are you doing that? And he didn't even know how he did it and, and just kind of kept it away from strange. I, I thought that was, that was, that was my favorite. I, it's not in my top three, but that was my favorite part with Dr. Strange. Uh, that is my number two. As a matter of fact, Ooh, we saw jump right and in. I, well, I, I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it to you. I thought it was okay. the best they have been on screen together. I thought it was their best moment of the movie. I loved it, and I also thought it made sense. Just like you said, the exact thing I thought was the Spidey sense. His Spidey sense was deflecting. So, like, it was very well done. It was funny. It was great. It was great timing for that movie. That movie at that point needed it because it is a long movie. So, like, to yeah. have that in there, kind of out of nowhere, was great. Uh, so yes, I'm with you. I'll give it away. That's my number two. We can skip my number two when we jump into our top three. But otherwise, I thought Doctor Strange was just the catalyst. And so, like this movie was a Spider-Man Doctor Strange movie, and it could have been a half hour long if they just did the spell the right way from the first from the jump. And I understand that the reason that they didn't, and at the end of the day, why he chose for it to actually happen that way. But there was one scene where he said, "Wait, if you just do it this way, it solves the problem, right?" And Strange is like. Well, yeah, it's like, what, what, what are we doing here? Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, Lazy then why do we have two and a half other hours of this? So that, that's the point. I think it felt at length at times. I think there was so much power. No, because he, he was trapped. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, oh, there was also a thing where, uh, when, when Spider-Man was shoot, trying to shoot the villains into their magic cages of stupid, which I thought was just dumb as hell. He shoots yep. a tree and Ned's like, oh, a tree monster. Or somebody said it. I, was, I thought that was really fucking funny. Um, but, dude, I couldn't. It, it, it was the best Ned performance. It was like his best performance. Yeah. In all this didn't make my top three. Um, it would probably be number four. And it's a it's a dud of why. Actually, maybe number five. Aunt May's death scene was great. Um, I have a huge. I've set up these villains. A lot of it was padding. A couple of them weren't even point. Lizard was already fucking captured. Um, why was everybody just so cool? The villains, they were just so cool with what was happening. Like Doc Ock is dead. Goblin is dead. So number one, aren't they? Shouldn't they be a little surprised that they're not anymore? Number two, they just transformed. Nobody gave a shit that they just transformed into another universe. Toby was like, I'm walking through the portal at a perfectly good speed. It's all good. I'm here. I'm like, there's a magic portal. There was no magic portals in the room. Well, again, again, that's I think Spider Sense. They they sense something. So, but, but, but like the other guys, it's, you know, like like I think the other guys, they just wanted to go back home, like or, or their own. But world. they're dead. So like, what you're stuck in this magic cage? Don't you have a question about that cage? Like who Doctor Strange is? Because if the other two Spider Men don't know who the Avengers are, 
when he said, "Well, they, the, well, they did kind of, well, the two did kind of say, like, you're in the wizard's dungeon or something like that.' They did have a line about a, that. A line, though. Wouldn't you think that you maybe want to yeah. question that a little bit more? Maybe get a little freaked out that you're in some wizard's basement that you've never heard of. Like, there's a little bit of there. Where was that? It, I felt like the villains were just there, and that was a bothersome for me when the villains first showed up. I was like, they don't have to be here, and this movie could be just as good. Find a better way. Like the bridge scene was great." When Doc Ock came in, it was awesome. When he, no, you fantastic. know, and even Gobby's introduction. And when he puts the the one thing uh, into the box and it blows up and that starts the whole Aunt May death. Like, I thought that yeah. was great. And especially, like I said, that bridge scene. So the introduction of those two main big bads were great. But just to zap them in, Doc Ock gets put into a portal in like three seconds. And he's just like, yeah, I'm here. It's cool. If I go back, I die, What? whatever. Like, wouldn't you be a little bit more inquisitive? You're one of the most smart people on the planet. I think you'd have a question. Maybe, hey, how does this structure, the molecular structure, the makeup of this cell, what is it? You're a smart guy. You're not even asking the questions. I just felt like they were cool with their situations. And that, to me, spelled filler and padding. And that was that was a big main issue for me is these villains. I just didn't feel much impact from them, maybe outside of the face turn from Doc and the Aunt May death scene from Gobby. That's really the only two that hit me hard. And that's so, you know, maybe the, I don't want to nitpick on it. I just think that that was a little bit of a miss for me there. Oh, hey, nothing wrong with that. Type. Overall, it's a movie, though, to me, you know, to end it before we go into our top three. I just think this is a movie you kind of have to see if you're a Marvel fan in general, if you're a Spider-Man fan, because it just does so much for the MCU in general. I just think it's it's a must see movie. And. It is undoubtedly, it's my third favorite Spider-Man ever after Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 1. Uh, and then this one, as hokey as Spider-Man 1 is, I just love it. Bonesaw, yeah, I just, I just love it. So this was, it's a good movie. It's a very good movie. I won't say I loved it. I definitely didn't hate it. Um, but it won't be on the end of, of the year list for me. There were multiple movies more that I liked more. Let's jump into it. Our top three favorite or least favorite or a mix. Uh, moments of Spider-Man No Way Home. Number three, I I wanted to say it for this because it was a, such a nice callback from my favorite movie, Spider-Man Two, was when the first time Tobey Maguire Spider-Man meets up with Doc Ock. They see each other. He takes off his mask, and they they recognize each other. And you know, like kind of just see the smile on Doc Ock's face, and he you're like, Keanu, like he, how you doing? And he kind of thinks and hits him with the same line from the first time, trying to do better. And it just hit me. I, I think I even teared up on that moment. That was just, I don't know. Again, this movie, it tugged on nostalgia from this, my favorite one, Spider-Man 2. Him and Doc Ock were great. And to, to deliver that same line, just trying to do better, just just to me, that's what, what Spider-Man Peter Parker stands for. And it just hit fucking so much home for my me. My number three is a, a, a dud, is a negative. And I've said it already multiple times, so I'm not going to expand on it here. Lizard. No, just the ending fight scene with all the villains to me just felt like a dud. To me, the stakes of this movie were in the spell, not in the fight. I understand the fight leads to the spell, but the spell was it, it could have happened in the beginning of the movie in the original part where he was like, no, Aunt May, no this, no that, no this. Guys, you're adults. Figure it the fuck out. I really didn't like yeah. the ending. No, the I, end I'm, fight. Have, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm going to I just have to say, too, I again, I'm right with you with, with that part specifically, but the one again, just come up with something better with that damn. I've been. This is your number two. I, you said. I I, I wanted to, like it, it is. Like, I have written down Charlie Cox because just to see him, the theater went nuts. I went nuts. I was happy as shit. I was not expecting to see, 
to see that level of cameo in the first six, seven minutes of the damn movie. So I'm, I'm going to stick with that. I just still hated that ending. That was the only thing that really fell a little weak for me. Like, oh, great. Th- he got to save him. He saved him. He stopped. And then he gets stabbed. I just wish they found out something better. Than so that. to clarify, your number one is Charlie Cox? No, I just I just kind of comboed them two as my number two. It's your podcast. You do whatever you want. What's <laughs> we did a top three and a half. What's your number one? We know my. By the my way, we one. remember my number two is the astral projection scene. Yeah, and my, which which was great. My number one is when all three Peter Parkers are in the chem lab. All three are being nerds, being Peter Parky, being Peter Parker, being witty, all coming up with formulas to save their respected villains. I just love that moment. I kind of think of the meme of all the Spider Man's kind of pointing at each other. And I just love seeing them just all for it, it. It works so well. And like we said before, Andrew, he shined in this movie. Toby, the moment, the mo- the little moments he had, I think he did great with what he had. But when it, all three, when, when they were together, I thought it was awesome. I you know, I, I honestly forgot about that, which I think now kind of disqualifies it from my top three. I can't just add it because if i forgot about it you've done it we've done it, we've done it before and, and changed our numbers on but if i forgot about it then it clearly didn't have the impact that the other two did but but you know but, but if, it's two and a half hours you're trying to come but up but if with, i could go lot. back that definitely ranks towards the top it is an unforgettable yeah. moment except yeah. i forgot it my number one is so clearly and obviously matt murdoch it is so so mind-bending just to think of the implications and ramifications that that moment had on the MCU, not even just this movie, not even just Daredevil, but it's literally is is Edward Norton's Hulk going to show up and we got a Hulk versus Hulk battle. Uh-uh. But still, you just never know. It's a multiverse. You never know. There could be two. I just don't know. It's just so cool to think that these Netflix shows that were all canceled, slowly picked off one by one by one, are now slowly, between Hawkeye and this, making a comeback. And the Netflix universe is alive and well in the MCU. That is mind-blowing to the Smash Bros. level. I just loved every second of it. Well-deserved. I wish he had five more minutes, but I'll enjoy the three or four that we got. I mean, 100% everything of what you said. And I, I think we, we also got to thank, like us, like the fans. We we freaking, people scream from the rooftops, save the show. There's petitions going on that we love Charlie Cox. We want him back as Daredevil. He's done little snippets that he wants to be back. And even jokes that I'll fight whoever tries to take it, like, you know, take it from him. So I, I just love that they listened to us. They kept him in it. They didn't let us waste them three seasons, three seasons, and I cannot wait till he shows up in the next MCU project or his own movie or TV show. Is there anything else that you want to add that you maybe forgot? Easter eggs, this, that, or the third uh, before we transition? I, I think we, we, we hit it all. Probably a few things we missed, but I'm, I'm happy with what we talked yeah, about. Yeah, 35 minutes or so. I think uh, we, or maybe even more. I think we covered a ton. We didn't go scene by scene, which I always appreciate. I like that we kind of just said what we were thinking. But it is time to transition away from Spider-Man. Spoilers over at the 55-minute mark. And we are going to talk about our impressions of the third and hopefully final, but I doubt it. Uh, We might get one more launch trailer. Trailer number three, surprise dropped on us for Matt Reeves, the Batman. What did you think? Like you said, came out of freaking nowhere, was not expecting it. Please, I, I really hope he doesn't show. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're going to do one more, but I, I don't, I, I might not try to watch it because I, I don't, I don't want to see anymore. They, they, you have my money. 
you have me hyped. Um, I, I, I cannot wait to see Paul Dano as the Riddler. For real. He, like, that's going to be so he, great. He's going to knock this out of the park. <laughs> They're doing a great job and, of not showing his face, by the way. Oh, you, you, you literally saw the side of his face when he you know, gets like slammed on the table. That's the only time we've ever seen him. Um, I, I, I can't, I, dude, I, I'm excited to see freaking Colin Farrell's the freaking penguin. I, I, I like the, the one I, I want to just jump to it cause it was my favorite shot of the whole trailer. It was the end Batman's jumping down, you know, capes kind of curled and he lands. And then I just had Arkham Knight vibes him battling, boom, hitting the guy in the face with the gun and just kind of throwing him up against like the railing. And then that quick turn to the left and that shot, I was like, yes, please sign me up. I, I'm, I'm sold. You have my money. Please, I'm ready. I love that this was such a Riddler forward trailer because that's who I don't need more Penguin. We've gotten the look of him. We've gotten a goddamn yeah. spinoff show for him. Like we have a ton He's of good. that. He's good. He ain't going nowhere. We right get it. exactly. So to be able to kind of get really into the mind of the Riddler, I really think that that's the way to go. Now this trailer still didn't hit the hype level for me that the first one did. That first trailer was so unbelievable. It's one of my top movie trailers of all time. For real, and with movie. only twenty five percent of the movie being think, shot. When too, you think that's way. why it might be up there, because when you think about the context around that trailer, they had minimal stuff to work with, and they blew it out of the water. So, again, this movie, di- this trailer, did nothing, absolutely nothing, to lower the hype levels. But because I'm still on a twelve from that first one, it's just kind of balancing me out there. Like I'm. Definitely, I'm definitely not higher than I was. It's just cooler that the movie's closer and closer and closer. Even cooler yeah. so that we're going to get it on HBO Max so soon. April 19th. So I'm very excited. Right after your birthday. Very excited about that. 46 days after the theatrical hit. I'm sure I'll see it in theaters. But if I don't get to it, it's nice to know that I'm not going to be waiting too, too long. A month and a half is is not long at all. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> what? The, this this is definitely a theater watch. This is this will definitely be an HBO Max rewatch. Yeah. We got a lot of Catwoman um, in this as well. Very it was Zoe Kravitz, I believe. Very yeah, she she, she looks fantastic. Yeah. A lot of people were you know really can't wait to see her. Yeah, very very forward on her. So if you had to like put out like was this a Batman trailer or was this a Zoe Kravitz Riddler trailer? That's kind of like where we're at is those two were the real characters shine here. You know, I've got the nine the nine lives line was really really good. I. I love the Jeffrey Wright kind of voiceover of, you know, this is the Riddler. You know, kind of him giving the whole speech. Like, I, like again, we love Batman because of his rogues. It's, no like, to me, Batman's got the best rogues gallery out there. Him and Spider-Man had the best. Batman is, is my preferred. Anytime we could dive in to just get a, a new take on something. And it looks like this is going to be something different. That it, it, they teased it that they possibly, what, could come up with something on the Wayne family that, possibly could connect to them that they did something back in the day where he says like how could you alfred so i'm looking forward to see where they they dive into there and one thing i'm not looking here that their budget for this was only 100 million usually you know for i think this new spider-man it had a 200 million dollar budget so it's good to see dc being a little bit more reserved not just throwing all the money at just kind of 100 million still a shit ton of money but you know because marketing you know that's probably going to be another 100 200 million dollars there I I have full trust in Matt Reeves right now. I love the tone of this movie. I like the way it looks. Um, I, I think Rod Pattinson is going to prove a lot of people wrong. I think a lot of people are going to be Paul uh, Paul Dano fans after this movie. Um, and and interested Andy Circus, you know, a little quiet as Alfred, just to kind of see what he could bring. 
I, I, can't, I can't wait, man. March, what? March 4th can't come fast enough. Uh, if you need Paul Dano love, just go watch Love and Mercy. Uh, it's his best performance, in my opinion, of his career. It's the movie about the uh, Beach Boys. Um, well, at least the lead singer, uh, Brian Wilson. So I, I would recommend that. He is so absolutely phenomenal in that movie and, as the lead. And I do want to say, because I don't th- I don't know if he has been in the trailers. Maybe he had one quick scene, but John Tarturo as Carmine Falcone. I just want to say, I love John Tarturo. I love freaking a lot of his movies, underrated actor. So Carmine Falcone, that's uh, that's big in, you know, in Gotham. Isn't it Falcone? Falcone? I know it's spelled Falcone, but I think they actually enunciate the E. I don't, I don't remember, but maybe that's the surprise. I, I always, I, I pronounce it Carmine Falcone. It could be uh, Carmine Falcone, but I, I don't know. Either or work for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I am again, right there with you. I think that this is, you know, and by the way, you said something earlier. I just want to agree with as, as well, everybody that's listening to this should know that I prefer Marvel to DC for the, for the most part. And Batman has never connected with me outside of the Arkham games really to a high level. I mean, I love the dark Knight. I really enjoyed rises. I hated begins. Um, but I, I think you are spot on. That, and I don't know if it's necessarily close. Maybe Spider-Man is too, but I don't know how close it is. I believe this Batman absolutely has the best rogues gallery. I just half the damn reason you love Batman is is for the rogues gallery. No, so. I would say that's like eighty <laughs> percent of it is is the villain. Yeah, I mean it's the billionaire every man is is well. I guess he can't oh, be. And, a, and can, can I do say I I love with the lady that was you know, talking to Bruce Wayne when she was like, yeah, I noticed that you're not really doing a lot for the city and like. Cut to him being Batman, blowing things up, flipping his car. I just love how that was shot. And then the little smirk and then kind of the start of the trail. I, I just thought that was awesome. I, I, I got to give kudos. And I also tend to agree with you that I think Robert Pattinson is going to deliver a performance that does rival the best Batmans. And so, you know, I think a lot of that is going to be direction. I think Matt Reeves is it's in a really good space. I absolutely f- adore the Planet of the Apes trilogy that he did. And so and that's obviously the Andy Serkis connection there, too. So yeah. I, um, I have complete and, and also the music by Michael Giacchino. Yeah. Let's not forget. Like I'm, I'm loving. Yeah, it. I, I have complete faith in this. This is one of the superhero movies outside of No Way Home. This is the superhero movie I I have next on my radar that I'm looking forward to. And so, and I don't know if there's necessarily another one before this, but you get my point. In three months. It's gonna be here before. Yeah, we know you it. get my point. Is like I'm not looking forward to too many superhero movies on the docket right now, and this is the one that I'm like, okay, can March just get here already? So I am a hundred percent on board with you. This is, this is something that I think personally too, after Spider-Man no way home has just captured the box office and shown that movies can be profitable in theaters at this time. I think DC needs this. They need this to be a hit. Oh my God. Again, especially that it's a planned trilogy. So if this one fails, DC falls apart, you know, like especially in comics, one thing that, that what DC does in comics, Every other book's about Batman. It's like, guys, like I always tell DC, pick somebody else. There's a million other people, like almost almost getting like Batman fatigue, a little bit of Spider-Man fatigue that there's been so many just like just just quick, you know, you know, boom, reboots, reboots. And this one really has to land. Uh, you know, I wonder and, and we'll move on after this. I, I wonder, though, does the announcement of the 45, 46 days landing on HBO Max, do you think that that could potentially hurt. I I would say no, just because the trailers I feel like really have landed. I haven't really heard. I think one person maybe say 
that you know actually one was the doc doc disrespect he was like i i feel like again they, they go back to batman for the well he's like they need to just forget him in 10 like 10 years and then show him he's like show someone else and i i, I kind of agree there we do they do go batman crazy but i i think just if they do the villain right which i think paul dano is going to do riddler justice I think Batman will be in good. Hands. I just wonder though, if, if it's going to be in on HBO max so soon, does that hurt its financial earnings at the box office? Because again, John casual, the casual viewer does outnumber the hardcore, no matter what we're talking, Pokemon, Batman, whatever the casual fan is, is more pronounced than the hardcore yeah. and the hardcore will see this movie in theaters week one. And everything will be hunky-dory there. But the casual fan, if they say, oh, cool, a new Batman movie. Honey, let's go spend $80 at the theater for us and the kids. Or, you know what? I just They say it's going to be in April. It's March now. Let's just wait. We'll just wait till it's on HBO Max and we'll just watch it there. Clear, they're going to make money from HBO Max as well. But, you know, an $80 movie night for you and the kids is, you know, that's that's eight months of HBO Max. I'm, I mean, you're, you're not wrong there. But also, you know, 46 days, you know... It, but, people, but the media. casual fan can wait. The casual fan isn't going on Twitter to avoid spoilers. They're not uh, – the casual fan mean, can wait. A casual fan, you know, them casual fan are on Twitter, Instagram, but, but Facebook, But they're not seeking TikTok. out spoilers. And if they do get spoilers, what the fuck do they care because they're a casual fan? Like I, it's, it's one of those things where remember, in the world before streaming, in the world before – which isn't that long ago, you know how many people would wait till a movie hit DVD, which was six months? Three to six months after theatrical, which was forty-five days. Like, times are different, but though. that's my. But the casual still exists. So I just wonder. I don't know if it will. I speculate that it would, but very, very minimally, because forty-six days is still forty-six days. That's still a full theatrical run. They're just not waiting the three months to release it on Blu-ray. After that, they're just hitting directors, which makes sense. By the way, more movies should adopt this. Why are we waiting for the digital? And the Blu-ray three to six months after theatrical. The average theatrical run is in the 45 to 50 day range. We should be getting it on those services right afterwards, especially now because every major company owns a streamer. So like the, the Warner brothers movies should hit 46 days later. They absolutely should because the average, like I said, is 45 in theaters. So I think that's a wonderful strategy. I just wonder if, just if the some casuals are just like okay whatever and i don't know necessarily if dc cares about the casual i think like for this instance they're gonna make okay how about dc's hoping probably that this film makes over a billion dollars that's what that's my final question is does this make over a billion knowing that joker did does this i mean just i i want to say yes i mean i know you know spider-man did yeah there was you know three spider-man in it whatever but you know they did it in what two weeks, fourteen days, something you know, something crazy. So I would like to think, given a full, you know, knowing that we're, this isn't going to be on HBO Max for forty six days after you know it's theatrical release, I would like to think yes, this will gross over a billion. It's dollars. just crazy to think that the Dark Knight, which is the most revered Batman movie of all time, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, comic book films of all time in any realm, only made half a billion. Now times were different, and money has a slightly well, inflated. Well, the, but- no, the, well, the Dark Knight did gro- gross over a billion. Um, the only one that didn't add the trilogy was Batman Begins, which only oh made like oh it was half a billion domestic. My bad, my yeah. bad, my bad. Yeah. Worldwide, it was uh, just just over a billion. One, it was like one point zero sixteen. I think one point zero zero three. You're right. So good, good call. It, actually, it actually Dark Knight Rises outperformed it worldwide. Yep, that which is, is crazy. 
Um, my bad, everybody. That was a mistake on me. That was a domestic, not a worldwide box office blunder. If I edited it or cared, I'd get rid of it, but it stays. Nah, I work. It, it stays. Uh, anything else to add before we move on to the next trailer? Now nah, let's hit the last uncharted. One. Got another trailer trailer. Number two. Uh, I think it was better than trailer. Number one, but the fuck you doing with Sully's mustache, making a cameo like that shit should be Why? plastered to his face. Why is my mustache better than Sully's? It looks terrible. Like it's like longer on one side. Can we just get the Sully we know and love? Like that's all we're no, asking but, for. But I'm, I'm. But what I think, I remember uh, Mark Wahlberg posting uh, like a, a story or post on his IG, and it was just him in a full, like full, like Sully mustache. So I don't know where this that little baby shot of mustache they showed up. If we don't get that full rug on the mustache that they showed in the trailer, I'm going to be a little disappointed. The only thing I can hope for is that the Sully, like without his mustache thing and those scenes where they meet are all flashback and they're all in the first 10 minutes because we only seen a couple minutes of footage and that's just showing real quick how they met. And then boom, the movie actually starts on that airplane scene where Tom Holland is uh, jumping. I hope, the thing. I, but yeah, like, you know, like maybe like a 20 minute story of him, no mustache, like that's fine. And then the rest, I want, I want the, full yeah, if you give me a flashback, whatever, just to establish the relationship and please get that cringy ass line. You know, my brother, Sam, like, do you have to say his name, dude? I hate when movies fucking do that. Just say, you know, my brother. Cause if he did, he would know his name is Sam guys start writing I, movies. Like people actually talk. Cause you're, you're I, starting to sound like professional wrestling and it bothers the shit out of me. I still don't like that they kind of base it off four. Well, he's always had like, a brother, though. Like, no, I, I on hear you, four. but yeah, no, I but you know, you, you just to you, me, this is more on what? three because it's a younger you, Nathan Drake, and that's really where true. Three but shot. you kind of you, David, you don't mention Sam at one, two, or nah, three. That, that was a big misstep on Naughty Dog to just just shove a brother in there after three games. That was. That's what I'm saying. Like they could have waited a little, at least maybe if, if it does good, maybe throw the second movie, throw it in. Oh yeah, that's a good but... point. Wait till un- wait. You mean Uncharted movie two to mention Sam? Exactly. I would agree like with I, that. That's yeah. a really good point. Let Mark Wahlberg and Nathan Drake kind of do their. I'm sorry, uh, Tom Holland do their thing. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's it's their story. Yeah, you want to throw you know the, the chicken. I get it. Like no problem. Like you want to have you know Chloe. I get it. She was in the, in the, like that. That's perfect. Antonio Banderas. I, I'm I am looking forward to him as a villain. I haven't. I feel like I haven't seen him like be a good villain since Assassins. Damn, Maybe because he's been in more. It's just been a while for me. I haven't seen too many f- films by him. Yeah. But again, the, the movie it looks better than first thought. It's funny to me that this budget is 120 has more than Batman, which is well, funny a me. lot of you know this. A lot of production budgets are in VFX, and like you can't yeah. have Tom Holland jumping from car to car on a plane without spending some coin. So. Yeah, no, very, very true. Very, very true there. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. We don't have to wait long. Was it February 18th? So we, even faster than Batman. Um, which, by the way, I, which, I, by I, the way, really quick, makes me appreciate Batman that much more that they're going for a lot of practical as opposed to the heavy VFX with the budget. It's just another cool makes it feel grounded. And I really like that, yeah. by the way, just to. I, I just I really hope that this isn't just like a bomb. It just dogs. I I do even though you know we didn't forget what Tom Holland said about promoting. You know we we do know he talks a lot. I phoned it but in. I think was the phrase. I 
You know, you, you never want to hear that, especially to a, a gaming franchise that we that we freaking love playing. That we we've and, beaten. We both beaten multiple times. And a genre of movie that needs help. Video game movies need help. Yes. When was the last good one? Detective Pikachu, and that's still Detective no, no, Pikachu. No, no. Well, well, uh, yeah. What was a what was a good video game movie since then? Was it fucking Dungeons and Dragons or Warcraft or whatever? World of Warcraft. Was that good? Or was fucking the Monster Hunter or uh, Tomb Raider? Resident Evil Evil gets shit on everywhere. It just made every worst of the year list that I've just watched over the past couple days. You know, it's just like, regardless of if it was the best, it still needs a shot in the arm. This needs to be good if video game movies continue to want to be successful. Where's the Gears of War movie? Where's the Bioshock movie? Where's this? You know, is Ghost of Tsushima good? This, this is, and especially because like Ghost of Tsushima and Uncharted are huge Sony properties. Sony needs this because if they're going to invest and make this Ghost of uh, Tsushima movie, not just another samurai flick, it really needs to hit with Uncharted because people are going to yeah. lose faith in the Sony brand because Sony doesn't often make very good movies they hamstring their product placement in like i've never seen before and it can be really really frustrating at times so like how many sony products are how many are we gonna see a playstation in the movie (laughs) uh yes i think you have i think you have yes we are someone's gonna throw it at someone's head or at least a controller and we're absolutely gonna see that by the way by the way this is not an easter egg i noticed but I did notice an Easter egg within the Easter egg that I didn't get here men- mentioned. I think it was New Rockstars pointed this out that somewhere in No Way Home, uh, Peter has a small TV or something, and it's sitting on top of some video games, some PlayStation games, because it's Sony. I am almost positive one of those games was Batman: Arkham Asylum. Or, or, oh, that's or cool. Arkham. I, 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 if it was, I missed that. Go one. Ba- if you go back and look, you can see M A N and T T M A N. And so, like, what other video game with a black cover is T Man? I think it's Batman. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they snuck that one in there because the B and the A are <laughs> are hidden. But that's something I noticed when I was watching my recaps and Easter egg videos and stuff that I haven't heard anybody talk about. But anyway. Yeah, I'm going to see this movie because I really want to. Um, not because of the trailers, but because it's Uncharted and I think I, it I, I need, it needs its just desserts. But I'm not going into this movie thinking that it's going to make my 2022 list by any means. Maybe the worst list, but definitely not movie of the year. It's just going to be a fun romp. I just hope that it makes sense. Oh, we can only hope. I mean, can, can, it can't get any worse, can it? If I have to deal with Ryan Reynolds as a talking Pikachu is my high for video game movies, we have a problem. It should not be my favorite video game movie, guys. Now, the Mario movie is next year, too. So maybe, just maybe. But, you know, there is such a thing as live action versus animated, too. So we'll move on because I am so excited to hear about this from you. We are an hour 15 in on an episode where there are no stories. Um, This is something we do not know each other's opinions on. We said we were waiting until the pod. But we both, as we move into TV, have watched the debut episode of The Book of Boba Fett just about right around a half hour. Uh, What did you think of the debut episode of The Book of Boba Fett? I I would say The Mandalorian's first episode was a little bit better, but I really enjoyed the first episode. You may be a little slow at certain parts, but my favorite was 
that they show you how he escapes from the Sarlacc. Dude, it was such a great payoff. I loved that. That was like to me, like that alone, it, it could have ended there. And I was like, you know what? That's a great start. Like I always wanted, like, I always like if he survived, how did he get out? Like, oh, he flamed him from the inside out. Perfect. I believe it. Like it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, I, I Ming now when I I think she she's she's it. great. She's great, girl, dude. She's got God bless her. She's she looks fantastic, and she's fifty eight years yeah. old. She well, looks what's fantastic. Is sixty one? She's a bad. Yep. It, uh, it was Tamora Morrison. Yeah, I believe the main who, who it, Boba it, Fett. It, his actor. Yeah, it, yeah. It looked like he lost a little bit of weight too. I didn't. I didn't I, notice. I, I thought he was a little chunkier in the Mandalorian. I so saw it was just good to like see my man in, in fight and shape. But I don't know. I they had me. They like I just loved how they started him, kind of taking over from uh, once controlled by Jabba the Hutt, and now he's kind of the leader. They come and pay his respects to, and I I kind of I'm, I'm, I guess I'm back in. I mean, it's it's, it's a short show. It's only going to be seven episodes, so. Again, I, I love these one episode a weeks. I really do. It's the way to do it. So as much as on Wednesday. as much as I want to binge stuff, it is mm. so nice to have something to look forward to. Which is to me what I think the best compliment that I can pay this show, because I will agree with you. I really liked it, which I don't know if people would have expected me to say, is my biggest compliment is can't wait till next Wednesday. What else can oh, you say? Yes to compliment a show that you have to wait six more days for besides yep. I am looking forward to waiting those. Like I cannot wait for these six days to be over. That's a very cool thing to say about an episodic release. The reason I look forward to Fridays is shark tank. The reason I look forward to Sunday yeah. is Dexter and yellow jackets. And now I have another reason to look forward to Wednesdays. It was Hawkeye for five weeks and four, yeah. four, cause they dropped the first two, but now it is the book of Boba Fett. I think the beginning was phenomenal. I think the end was one of my favorite endings to a star Wars themed show. The Mandalorian included and in all that to fight fucking yep. reptile and Goro who had a baby. I, I was going to say to fight Goro's cousin. Uh, that was, it awesome. was an awesome, awesome thing. And for like him to be so my, my boss or former boss once told me as I moved into a leadership role at my company, he once told me to be successful, uh, your favorite food has to be humble pie. And mm -hmm. I tell that to a lot of the people I develop into future leaders and things like that is like, you really got to be humble. And for him to be able to have the Tuscan Raider, I think they're called, to him to run back and take ownership of taking the head off just so he could gain in his tribe and to be able to sit there and watch that, knowing that you were the one that killed Reptile Goro. Uh, yeah. And to just know the leader knew because he gave him the water and all that stuff. That's the cool thing. That's the cool thing about that whole deal is. And so like, I thought it was a very good ending. I thought it was a very good beginning. You are right. The middle can drag. It's only a half hour. So you can kind of get, you can kind of power through a little bit. I thought it was a little weird that they kept going from flashback to present day. And you kind of almost didn't know which was which. And you really had to be up on that. Um, but like the tribute scene was great with the mayor, the guy who represented the mayor. He was funny. It was phenomenal. He's a sketch comedian, so or an improv comedian, I should say. So like he's got that timing down and stuff. I wonder how much of his lines were improv because that would have been fun to know. But I am totally in. And the best thing I can say is I just I cannot wait till next Wednesday. They've got me. It's been a while since I, I didn't love Mando season two. So it's been a while since I've been super into it. I skipped the bad batch. Don't give a shit. So like it's cool to finally say something Star Wars has grabbed me because it's been quite a while. 
and this episode written by john favreau who a very busy man i don't know how he does it all directed by robert rodriguez who will direct another one you have john favreau direct an episode bryce dallas howard directs another one dave filoni directs one, another one kevin Trankeren direct directed one he did a lot of the mortal Kombat stuff again i think they're off to a great start i think they have another hit on their hands and i'm sure this will go more than once uh an awesome uh and i guess not an easter egg but the voice of the droid that was telling him who was coming in next to the tribute room is um voiced by matt berry who is in what we do in the shadows he's one of the vampires uh and he's so funny and so like i just thought that was really neat to have like I think the one cool thing about Star Wars is all the cool cameos, whether it be, you know, like just the voice, whether it be uh, crazy. He has a helmet on, so you'll never know if it's if he's actually in it or not. You just kind of have to be. There. I just thought that was really cool that that they continue to do these cool voice actors or cameos that are just people that want to be a part of the Star Wars universe. So I liked it a lot. I I watched it at I think four thirty a.m. And so like I wasn't a hundred percent awake, but it got me awake. I haven't I didn't go back to sleep. So I I'm in. I thought it was really enjoyable and I'm looking forward to seeing where seven episodes, not a ton of room for filler. They kinda already yeah. got that out of the way. Where does this go? Looking really forward to it. And already it has a eighty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's well received. Uh the really the only story story we have in TV, unless is there anything else you want to add about Boba Fett? No, let's hit it. Uh, it sounds like squid game may get a third season before season two even begins production. The director basically said, yeah, I'm in talks with Netflix about a season three. I'll say the same thing and I'll kick it to you. I don't know if I needed a season two, much less a season three, but now to me, this automatically before I even watch it just a little bit lessens the stakes for season two. I can see this. Sh- I can actually see the show ending at season three. I think. I think this is probably with the with. He even said in an interview that he doesn't want to be just known as the Squid Game guy. So I have a feeling that he's getting contracts with Netflix of trying to get other movies like lined up with them, set up a nice two season arc to kind of round out the story because you know you it it could have ended at season one like you said, but the way they ended it, okay, you want to push a little bit forward. I think you can come up with a, a clever story for two seasons, and I would love three seasons, short and sweet. Um, it shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, it's the most freaking watched show ever on Netflix, so it makes sense to do it. Just I hope they can come up with a better ending than um, they did with uh, Tobey Maguire in the Spider. I just this is going to sound weird to say, um, but but feed you know I'll feed you. Follow me. I don't want this show to become Saul, and you might say to yourself. Yeah. I don't, I don't want it. You might say to yourself, well, Saw is like eight movies or ten movies and it's like overkill. No, no, no. Why do we watch Saw? We don't watch Saw for the tra- or for the, the characters. We don't watch Saw for the storylines. We watch Saw for the traps. And I don't want this show to become what's the next game. And that's exactly. the only thing we look forward to. Good point. That, that's a good, great comparison, actually. So that's, that's my only worry. Like, we got the cool games. I don't need the other games. They are awesome. These games that happened in this fucking first season were so I don't awesome. know. Hide the belt was a fun game growing <laughs> up. And who gets soap in their mouth was another good one. So I just, uh, you know, hide and, you know, I wouldn't mind freeze tag where they actually freeze you or like hide and go seek in the dark. That would suck for the viewers. 
but uh other than that man i just don't want this to become like a game, oh, game of the or week. or freedom they find you then they shoot you or something like that like that would be cool yeah, ali ali oxen <laughs> Uh, like I, I just don't want this to become a game of the week thing. We kind of already had it. We were all looking forward to the next game in, in the first season. I don't think they're going to do a full game arc again. Like we got that in season one. This will be about, um, you know, uh, it goes back to get the little brother or whatever. Sungyan, I believe his name. But anyway, I just, I just don't want to not love it. I'm so happy with what it is and what it isn't by the way, because it does have its flaws, that I was good. So a season three doesn't sound as appealing, even as a season two. Some people are psyched, like, more Squid Game. And I'm like, it was really fucking great. I'm good. There's so- And again, before we move on, that's coming from someone who has plenty of shit that he watches. I have every streaming service. I have 35 fucking shows I watched this year. So it's, I'm not dying for more Squid Game because I have so much other content. I guess that's just me. Maybe other people that yeah. only have Netflix probably feel differently because they're like, shit, I need more stuff. You know, Ozark, Stranger Things maybe aren't enough for you. Jesus, the next year's going to be insane. Better Call Saul. So much shit next year. Um, and by the way, I don't know if Squid Game Season 2 even happens in 2022. It's probably a 2023 release minimum. Is it going to lose its thunder by the end of that? Like, it's a two-year gap. If it wasn't already planned and you're not already writing it, and it had to be decided after it gained popularity to get a season two, just like Tiger King. Are you going to force it? And are people even well, going to care? I mean, Tiger King. No, is stop a- it. Stop it. You know what I mean? That's a tough you comparison. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm not I, comparing the content. Reaching, I Bullshit. I don't, I'm not comparing the content of the shows. I'm comparing the hype. Okay. That's it. The hype. Dude, Tiger King took over the world for, but for it, a month. But it, it, but it didn't take over me. Oh, yeah. I forgot Sam's the president of the earth. The, the, one, the one person holding out in the world that didn't see it. Right. Game. You're right. So that means 6.9 billion people did. And I feel like it's Tiger King 2, who the fuck but, cares? I didn't even watch it. But if that many people did watch a Tiger King, it would have been Netflix's second watch show of all time. But it's not. But Tiger King only waited a year before it dropped season two, and no one gives a shit. You wait two years for Squid Game 2. How many people are coming back? Does the it lose a type? Reason, That's it. Uh, only reason, oh, you uh, remember if we somehow remember this episode, I'm going to say no because just the cultural impact it had, all the viewers it had, plus having Mr. Beast creating his own, the, recreating Squid Two Games years, and, though. No, but listen, Who listen, fucking cares he, about Mr. Beast? Bre- Mr. Beast is one of the biggest YouTubers out there. He's he probably the biggest. Whole, but you're, but a who cares? Whole another audience to the game who or the show who may not have even watched the show to rewatch the show to get a whole another younger audience to watch. So when it comes out, all the younger kids are going to be, I think, demanding for it. And I think season two will will be, you know, at least be. I'm not going to say it's going to be a critical. Like it's going to be great. I'm just going to say it's going to probably shatter. And those kids still have to wait two years. And kids have the attention span of goldfish. Other things will come along that will capture the world like Squid Game did. It's like Animal Crossing. Who fucking talks about Animal Crossing anymore? Nobody. But again, but we said that 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 showed up at the right time. So did Squid Game. Look at us and Dexter. Ten years. We can't. And we're two people. Nobody else is talking about Dexter. I don't know. Dude, when's on. the last time you saw that tra- the hashtag of Den- Dexter trending? You you just don't. I'm, every, I'm not saying every time I'm on. Okay, we, I'm not saying I'm it's a flop. I'm not life. saying it's a flop. But the audience that was around for the original Dexter is not back for New Blood. I bet you so many people don't even fucking know it's happening because it was ten years. 
that's just that's just a fact. It's that every Sunday night, Twitter is not a buzz about Dexter. Yeah, you have a couple people, obviously, but it's not the thing that it was. If Game of Thrones came back, it's been so long and the taste is so sour. I don't know if these prequels are going to do half the numbers that Game did. And, and that's still five million, so it would be a great show. But if you have, what do you call it? Let's just call it 150 million people have seen Squid Game. Let's just call it that number, right? If half of them came back, it would still be one of the most critically and commercially successful seasons of all time. That's just a fact. 75 million people watching Squid Game 2. But you've lost 75 million people because you had to wait two years. It's not about what you have. It's about what you could. That's all I'm trying to say is a wait of two years in the age that we live in with how fast technology and things and trends happen and go away. It's a tough wait. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it won't do well. I'm just saying that it we'll could see be in two years what comes to fruition. If we're even still doing this, <laughs> yeah, I have. To. I really don't. <laughs> I don't know. Anymore. We're hanging by a thread. I, the thread and, is dwindling. I am getting and, old. I am. I and am. the last story. Well, I'll take it over in gaming for the only story we have. We have a game of the year update. Yeah, and you know what? It's not even um, a story. It's just me wanting to talk for a second because I didn't think we'd already be at an hour and a half. And I wanted to have something to talk about in gaming. So because we're doing our end of the year awards next week, I wanted to give a little bit of a tease, just something for you to hang on to get you into the mood for these end of year awards. So I wanted to real quick talk about some of my games of the year that didn't quite make my top three slash six, as you'll find list, but that I really did love. So I listed my top 14 games on Twitter of the year, but I left off one through six. That'll be for another day. My top three next week on the pod. I'll drop the other six later. But the games I just wanted to give a quick shout out to that were great that I played this year that just didn't quite make my game of the year top list, but some I would still consider. Number 14, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. You know it was a great year, especially for me, if a main series Pokemon game the remake of one of my favorite gens of all time doesn't even crack my top 10. You know it was a great year. It was a flawed but fun Pokemon adventure that really, really has been overshadowed by Legends Arceus. We're all waiting for that title. This didn't quite feel like a throwaway. It just not putting the platinum stuff in really hurt me on this one. It, it missed the mark a little bit there for all the fun things it did. Not going to be in my top 10. Number 14, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. Number 13, The Artful Escape. It's a music rhythm experience. You barely even play it. You just experience and you live in this wonderfully animated world about the love of music. And boy, howdy, did I absolutely love it. It's on Game Pass. Check that out if you've never heard of it. The Artful Escape is one of the best four-hour short and sweet experiences you'll ever play. And that's what I loved about the theme of my game of the year this year. So many of these games, short experiences. I don't have a ton of time anymore. So I'm looking for games that I can beat quickly. Uh, Number 12, Mario Party Superstars. A return to the franchise. It's the best Mario Party game since the GameCube. I loved it. Everybody should be playing Mario Party Superstars. Number 11, and potentially the most shocking game on my list. Halo Infinite. Um, Not going to make my top 10. Everybody raving about the multiplayer. 
everybody raving about the game. You're not a huge multiplayer but guy. Everybody even raving about the campaign, the open world of it, the ghost of Tsushima of it. And I even raved about it, but it fell off for me halfway through. I didn't connect with the story. I didn't love the uh, way it ended quite frankly. And it's going to take a lot for a first person shooter to make my list. It's got to be colorful and wacky like borderlands, or it's got to be an amazing story like Bioshock. It just can't be what this is. And it's very samey. You kind of get almost tired of the locales halfway through. You kind of get tired of just reload and shoot and find this and do that. The grapple hooks, an amazing thing. Halo infinite, not going to crack my top 10 halo infinite. Number 11, number 10, the prettiest game I've played this year. Well, the second prettiest game I played this year, Forza Horizon 5. Um, mm. I I absolutely loved almost every second of it. I can't put a racing game up the top because it ain't no initial D. But boy, howdy, the amount of cars, the amount of customization, if you're into that thing, the amount of tuning, if you're into that thing. But to just drive around Mexico was one of the most fun experiences and pretty you'll ever have. Number nine, Cyber Shadow, an amazing 2D side-scrolling indie game, much in the vein of Ninja Gaiden. It's hard as nails. I died over 900 times, and it just keeps you coming back for more because when you die, you're instantly back in it. There's not these long-ass loading screens and frustrating this, that, or the other. When you die, you feel like it's your fault, and that's what I love about NES hard games. Number eight, The Gunk. I just talked about it last week. It's a five-hour game that you have very light combat, but you go for the story. Xbox Game Pass. Absolutely loved it. If you want to hear more about it, listen to episode 264. I talk about the gunk. And number seven, Bowser's Fury. Another Mario game not making my list. This was the Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, so it's not a full game. It is the second half of a remaster. It's the added content to make the remaster feel like it's worth $60. So because it's not a full game, if this was a full game, probably have a better shot to land on the list. But I loved every second I spent, albeit a short experience. I absolutely loved it. If this is the direction 3D Mario is going to go, it's a bright future. Bowser's Fury is a great experience. I think the only thing that downed me was that was the amount of times Bowser shows up, like I'm just about to do some fun thing and then it starts to storm and I got to fight this big. I was kind of tired of it. I wish he could just kind of go away and I could kind of experience the world a little bit more or for a longer period of time, but I loved it. Number seven. Now, number six through one, we'll find out later, but those are some games I just wanted to give a shout out to. I'm just going to tease my game of the year list as next week we will unveil all of our tops of the year and our least favorite. And boy, I just can't say it enough. I'm fucking pumped. It's good to see the Nintendo make an appearance. Oh, boy. I love it. Uh, Everybody, last story of 2021. Sonic is getting his own Lego set coming in 2022, but January 1st. And it looks freaking awesome. It's Green Hill Zone, which is the perfect... It. That's all it's you everybody's need. favorite level. It's everybody, It's the first level everybody's always played. Sonic looks great. I like the Mario look and the Luigi look of the Legos, but I hate the worlds and I hate the N64 one that they did. This one just looks cool. Ten times better. It looks cool, and I, I want to be a part of that. I don't know what its MSRP is or what it's, what it's going for. Uh, I, I didn't see the price, but I'd imagine probably two, 250 uh, It seems steep. 
Another. I don't know. I I spent what three fifty on the tumbler. Yeah, the starter pack for Mario was I think sixty five. This this seems to be bigger than that one, so probably like ninety nine bucks. I'm sure I could look it up right now because you know we have this thing. It's called Google. Oh, it's excuse me. I was I thought it was a lot bigger than what it was. It's only sixty nine ninety. There you go. So it's very very similar to the uh, the Mario starter pack, which I think is either sixty or seventy. So very very similar vein. They probably took what Nintendo did, and Sega was like, yeah, just do that for us just do that so it's a good blueprint to follow and the the mario legos are selling well it is cool what i hope is they do what the mario thing's doing and do ten dollar little packs here and there like spin-off packs of this level or this little obstacle or this or that or you can buy the sonic by himself like you can get the mario in a pack so yeah that's what i'm hoping for because that would be cool to buy all of green hill zone it's not worth 70 for me i don't have anywhere to put legos much less the time to build them uh, so it's cool if it's for you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sam, last episode of 2021, it's been a long one. Bring us home with your weekly WADA. Weekly WADA, and uh, WADA's been slowly shipping back some orders. I'm still, I think I have two games in route. They just sent out emails um, to people, I think it was last week, that they're in the process, probably almost done now, of moving from Colorado to California. So all their games now, they're shipping from California. And another thing they did, they changed the way usually when they first did it, once your game went to post grade, you got to see your grades. Then for a while, they took that away and you couldn't see it until it actually was shipped. I think it was what last week they basically dropped every game that was obviously done grading all like so I could see all my grades from all orders. I still have two orders from 2020, one select tier, one turbo tier. Uh, God help me. If I have to wait any longer, I will cry. But. It is good to know that I, I, I did get to see a lot of the grades. I'm very happy very happy with, I would say, 98% of my, my games I got. I know a, a couple you'll be pretty shocked with with the grades. I know I am. But this week, we have a game I know we both played and loved, Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Mm. This, this is for Nintendo 64. It came out in 1998. I have it in an 8.0 A-plus seal. Super happy with that. I, I didn't even know it, it was... I submitted this so long ago, I forgot what my even guess was. But um, this is the third-party LRB seam, which means that it was the seal was going left, right, and the bottom of the box, in case you didn't know what that meant. Um, developed by Factor 5. Um, again, it, it was it was a game that I remember playing growing up. I know I definitely broke an N64 paddle or two, because if you remember this game, it was hard as shit. At least for, at least for me, I remember being hard as shit. Yeah, you could have got the Millennium Falcon as you put the cheat code in. You can use him there. But again, I, I just I love this game. It's still my favorite Star Wars game to play growing up. I mean, I'm sure that's millions of people would probably disagree with me there. But this is the one that kind of the memories were made. The nostalgia was made. Um, again, I, I just love playing these missions. I probably suck now if I throw it back on the N64. But just to have, again, I'm always shocked to see that all these the games, these conditions that that survived, just knowing that what we did to the 64 boxes, they weren't even. A, a, they a, never a stood a box. chance. They got ripped open, and I, I, dude, nine out of ten, they went in the trash. I was, I, I don't think I had any of my boxes. I just had the cartridges. Yeah, I wasn't. That's, that's, I wasn't a forward thinker there either. But I will be if my kids, you know, decide to play stuff like that. I will keep all that. Yeah, now that we we know a little bit better, now that, that things are going the way they were, um, IGN gave this one an 8.8 .8 out of 10. Nintendo Power gave this one a 9.1 out of 10. 
it sold 584,337 units and earned 29.3 million in revenue by the end of 1998. By the end of its if it's run, it sold over 1 million copies in the United States and over 44,000 copies in Japan. So it was it was a huge hit for Nintendo. They wound up doing sequels, uh, two more that came out for the GameCube, Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader, and Star Wars Rogue Squadron 3, Rebel Strike. But this was the one that meant this. I never had GameCube. I only had 64. So to own Star Wars Rogue Squadron in 8.0, 8-plus seal, I'm happy as shit. This is how I like to close out the year. This is our last episode of 2021. We're going to kick off 2022 with our WePod Awards. Again, joined by Mike Cassini, Cassini on Instagram, c-a-s-i-n-i i believe uh but also when it comes to like news stories over the next week if there's like a direct or whatever you know what i mean like something really big we'll cover it if it's one of the smaller stories we're probably gonna let it go because i can imagine it'll be a longer episode next week so there's that just kind of hat tip if it's something important to sam we'll add it to the list if it's something important to me we'll, we'll add it to the list and we'll talk through it but most of next week is going to be our WePod Awards, again, top three movies, top three games, top three TV shows, top three albums, and top three worst of the year. Love doing it. Can't wait for you to come along for the ride. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this and every year. It has been a pleasure to bring our audible goodness to your ear holes, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for episode 266. Have a safe and happy new year.